We invite you to take a look at the fourth episode featuring Roxana Ionescu, partner at Nesta Nesta Diacolescu Kingston Peterson, Romania, speaking to Gabriela Popescu, legal director at Microsoft Romania, regarding data privacy challenges in Romania and the essential role of GCs in digitalization processes. Welcome to this edition uh, of the Legal 500's Corporate Conversation on Data Privacy, the first we are holding today with a leading general counsel based in Romania. I'm Roxana Ionescu, partner and head of the data protection and privacy practice at Nestor Nestor Dicolescu Kingston Peterson, or NNDKP for short, a pioneer provider of integrated legal and tech services in Romania. Today, I have the pleasure to moderate a conversa conversation with Gabriela Popescu, legal head of Microsoft Romania and one of the leading general counsel in Romania. Before starting, I would like to thank our hosts, Legal 500 for setting up and facilitating this discussion, which we all hope will uh, offer immediate actionable insights to all our listeners. Today, our topic focuses on some of the main data privacy challenges in Romania. On the backdrop of the post-COVID-19 emergency recovery, GDPR's third anniversary, and a lot of regulatory development in the artificial intelligence, cloud, and data transfers areas. We at NNDKP follow all these developments closely, closely including through our user-friendly tool, Privacy Out Loud blog, one of our initiatives through which we intend to bridge the gap between theory and practice. But now it is interesting to learn a general counsel's perspective on the same topics. So Gabriela, thank you for accepting our invitation. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much, Roxana, for inviting me. And thank you, dear colleagues from Legal 500, to organize this event. I'm very honored to be uh, together with you today, uh, next to colleagues from Romania who are part of similar uh, events, uh, colleagues that I highly respect, or colleagues that will be part of the um, similar events. Now, let's start. What is, in your opinion, the biggest data privacy challenge faced in companies in Romania? I know we start with a predictable question. Um, this is a very, thank you for the question, Roxana. Thank you for uh, um, uh, putting all the questions together. This is a very uh, interesting question and it's a very uh, complex one. Um, and, you know, why, why, while it might look simple because, you know, it might look a very, as a very simple uh, question, the truth is that it's a very complex one and I would say that there are more than one uh, challenges and these have different roots. Um, while data privacy as a concept, I mean, protecting people's, protecting information about people or information about data in general, it's a very, um, um, it's a, it's a, um, a, a topic or um, a concept that it's very long time. We know about it for very long time. The rules that were created in the last year uh, are to a very high extent a change in paradigms. Uh, paradigm and a change of mentality. And uh, we have to understand them. We have to absorb them. And sometimes this does not come natural because it, it, it was quite, quite a chance. I'm sure that both of us remi we rem we remember very well the times when in Romania, I don't know how it was in other countries, but in Romania, we have what it was called book phones. Um, um, book phones, which is a, a direct and simple translation, was a, a very thick book uh, where you could find all the inhabitants from a city 
with their home address and their phone numbers. And this was something that each of us had in our house. And when we wanted to call someone, we were looking, it was an alphabetical order. And we found there all um, the people that had a phone and we could find the phone number. We could also find the home address. Uh, and that was the normality. Um, as I said, we all had such a book in our houses and we all use it and we looked at it like that was normal life. Well, switching from that practice and that mentality to where we are today, uh, it's, a, it, it, it's quite a change. And um, like all the changes on everything to understand them, to absorb them, to understand why they are necessary and then further to respect them or to implement them if you are a company, it can take some time. Um, so we started with a journey from where we were some years ago with um, data and how we protected them. And we uh, are in the today world where we, we are very regulated, we have very clear rules and um, we are looking on how to respect them. and. With those rules, we can see different type of challenges of different nature related to data privacy. And I would mention a few, and I'm mentioning them not in the order, uh, order of importance. I'm just mentioning them the, the way they come to me. It can be challenge coming from lack of ac access to information, or I, I mean, not, I would probably better say proper training because today information is there. I mean, probably today information is there more than any, any time in the history. So the information is there, but I would say um, lack of access to proper training. Um, I would add also as a challenge in proper technical structure. Uh, from the experience or the practice that we have in Romania, I would add that when we are looking on how to protect data or what it's about data, which are the rules, I would uh, like to mention the perception barriers rather than legal barriers. Uh, and also I would mention uh, legislation that was not updated. Things changed, are changing. Things are changing very fast from the uh, technological point of view. And legislation is not always changing with the same path. It's not matching. Legislation might not match uh, the, the changes that we have uh, in, in technology. So these were just a few of them. And as I said, they have different roots. And I think it's, it's obvious from listing them that they have different uh, roots. And if I would have to choose two of them, again, based on the practice, based on my role in the company that where I work, uh, I would, uh, if I would have again to choose two of them, I would choose uh, the perception barriers. And when we are talking about perception barriers, it's what people believe the rules are and what they are actually are from the legal perspective. And also, I would mention um, in not updated or in a, inadequate technical infrastructure. And I would mention, I would, I would just add very few words about um, uh, each of them. Perception barriers. Um, from practical point of view, again, practice, my day-to-day -day work, my interactions with people shows that show that we are still dealing with perceived legal limitation rather than uh, sorry, perceived barriers rather than real legal barriers. I was just switching words. Uh, so people uh, are afraid. Uh, 
uh, of doing things because they believe the law says something. Most of the time, there are situations, of course, when law um, has specific rules, which are very clear, but there are also situations when um, it's more of people said so, or traditionally we are not doing it because, um, or we are doing it this way because the legal say, the law says something, while in reality, the law does not say the respective things. And this, the, uh, this situation can come either from legislation that is not updated, and we do have pieces of legislation in Romania that, as I was mentioning, does not match the um, uh, technological development. And I would say that this is probably not something specific to Romania, but it's something specific world. This is something that you can find in lots of other countries because technology really develops very fast. I mean, it's it's really moving very fast, fast and the law is coming, but not as fast. And sometimes even when the law comes, the technology has already evolved and moved to a next step. So sometimes it's a disconnect. So uh, this is one uh, um, of the source or source or, and also it's a fear for doing something for the first time. People are looking what is happening in the market. They are wondering what the other companies are doing. Uh, even if uh, on the uh, cautious part, let's say that the, the, when they look at the law, they realize that there might be some, there might not, there is nothing there to stop them. Um, it's always difficult to be the first one changing things. Uh, and when I am thinking of uh, um, not quite updated technical structure, um, I would say that not everyone is ready to invest or simply they don't see the need to invest in technology that would provide proper data privacy protection. Uh, probably partially because they the, the rule were not yet um, um, absorbed and uh, they don't really see the need of changing what they have for something that would provide better data privacy protection. So this uh, this was from my side on this question. If I uh, if I have a takeaway from what you mentioned uh, for controllers, education and training is very important when they roll out any kind of product. Not only education for their team, the traditional training concept about explaining the features, but also putting effort into educating potential customers, potential users of the product in order to bridge that gap between the perception and the reality of possible limits, right? It's, it's, it's very, very correct what you said. We have the rules, the rules is there. Um, but if you don't do the training, if you don't train people, if you don't even talk to the customer and explain, um, it's difficult. So to summarize, I'm to to conclude. Uh, I totally agree with you, uh, and this is what we are, you know, generally talking to our people or to our customers. It's good to have the procedure. It's very good to have the rule, but it's only one step. It's the first step. If you don't do the training, if the people don't understand what it's in the procedure, what what are the rules about, how to apply them, then it's uh, the having the rules or having the procedure is only the first step of the process. So training is key. Thank you. Uh, I would actually also pick on the inadequate technical structure you mentioned before and uh, move a little bit the discussion to digitalization. At least in Romania, this is a very popular word and has been for a lot of time. But I'm curious of your perspe uh, perspective and especially 
people often downplay the role of general counsels and legal departments when it comes to digitalization. They are the last one to be asked when any digitalization project is being uh, developed uh, in-house. Do you agree with this? What's your perception? Um, So um, that's a very, very nice question and I like it very much. Uh, It's true that traditionally speaking, general counsels will not be involved in this topic, but I can see uh, um, um, a change in the paradigm. Uh, the the way the, um, uh, the 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 counselor job it's um, a structure in Microsoft. I mean, part of what we are doing, we are uh, engaged in uh, um, talking to the customers uh, when there is a deal, when there are there is a discussion about the product or a service. We are there, part of the team. This is uh, something. I mean, this is because of the specifics of the product and the services that we sell because. You know, we sell technology, they are uh, technology, it's sometimes complicated and um, because of the products that we sell or the services, we are there with our uh, sales colleagues explaining, talking to the customers. And I would say that it's, it's very important for us to, uh, to be there. I said that I, I saw a change in the paradigm and in change of the approach of the companies because general counsels today are not simple lawyers, they are business partners. They understand holistically the need of the company and also they understand the law. So they are essentially in a digitalization process. And um, I can um, see that, you know, um, with more customers, I'm talking with more clients, I'm talking in more meetings, I'm involved. Uh, I see the change in paradigms because I see my counterparts, the general counsel from from the clients attending the call and um, um, being there and their teams bringing them sometimes, I I would say without modesty, to unblock a discussion because sometimes the discussion gets stuck and uh, unless the lawyers are coming in and are explaining to their colleagues specific things, uh, the discussion cannot evolve because, you know, it, it, it gets stuck and we get there and we explain and we feel our, we make our business clients feel comfortable and then things are evolving. Uh, to continue a bit, digitalization is quite a f- specific journey. And in this moment, everyone in this world is learning about it. We are learning a lot and we are learning um, um, while doing. And Microsoft, it's a supporter of this uh, um, of this journey. And, you know, we, we are learning with each customer depending on what they need because there is no solution that fits, that fits all like, in everything else, and we are there and we are learning with each customer. Um, the specification of the business, the differences, the, the particularities of each business, what each company needs, make this process different. And as I said, and I might uh, um, um, say it again, I do believe that general counsels are key in this process and if i would have to make to to give an advice to the companies that are going through the digitalization process and or that think of engaging it's uh i would recommend them to bring their general counsels at the table at the beginning of the process i've been involved in in situation in deals where business colleagues believe that everything is there everything is set uh we are going to deploy this and we are going to implement these processes and then when they, after 
quite several months when they invited everyone around the table and their legal teams were involved, they realized that they've missed important steps and important evaluation. And they didn't know, I don't know, which rules applies and how specific things have to be evaluated from legal perspective. And it can be very frustrating for everyone. It can be very frustrating for the business uh, uh, clients because um, they were enthusiastic and they said, okay, and now we are moving tomorrow. And then the lawyers are coming at the table and they have to, to you know, make sure that everything is done properly. And then the business colleagues are frustrated. And of course, the legal team is frustrated because they are brought in at the table late in the process. Um, they their role is to make sure that everything is done properly and the company is protected and, and the company's data are protected and they have to do their work and sometimes the work cannot be done as fast as business colleagues would want. And then um, it's not the best atmosphere, let, let me put it this way, in, in the team. So my strong recommendation is bring your lawyers, your general counsels, the legal team that you have in your organization at the table as soon as possible in the process because you might be surprised how smooth things can uh, can move and you'd be surprised of the help and of the questions that uh, will be put on the table and at the end of the day everyone's interest is to move forward in with what makes sense for business but also with what makes sense from the legal point of view so the company is protected and if the counselors are onboarding from the beginning, then it's the best for everyone and it's the best for the process. Actually, that uh, brings to mind another topic I wanted to touch with you, uh, data transfers, because a lot of digitalization process uh, 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 projects may involve data transfers. And of course, for everybody in the privacy world, uh, uh, we know that Schrems uh, to ruling, once again, upended the discussions on data transfers outside the uh, EU, especially in the US, but not only. And I'm curious to know, how do you see this uh, topic de uh, developing in the next period, particularly because Microsoft is a key player here, especially with the cloud services that you have. And uh, it's also one of the promoters of the EU-based code of conduct that just last month received a positive feedback from the European Data Protection Board. So how do you see this evolving? Data transfers, hot topic or something that very can be hot. managed? Now, it is a very hot topic. Uh, it is uh, something that uh, became uh, more and more important nowadays uh, in Europe. And uh, there is no month when you, without something new, without uh, some something new coming. Um, as you very well said, um, when we talk about adopting uh, uh, rules or recommendations or even promoting them or creating them, Microsoft has always been a pioneer. And that makes me very proud working for a company that promotes uh, rules and um, uh, a proper framework in which everyone to, which every, uh, for, which, for everyone that, uh, that, that, that plays in a specific industry. Microsoft runs on trust. This is our... Um, um, statement that we run on trust. And this means on one side, making sure that our business is run with trust and ethics, but also it um, uh, means making our customers feeling safe where we, when they use Microsoft technology. Data transfer, it's something that it's 
um, I would say one of the most important topic that we are uh, talking, uh, one of the most important topic that we are talking about, we're working about in Microsoft uh, recently. And as a company, we uh, it's a routine for us to work to advance protection for customers based on any legal developments or recommendation. Actually, we are the first cloud provider that we work with the European Data Protection Authority for approval of Europe model clauses. And the first one to adopt new technical standard for cloud privacy. Um, we included this in our contracts uh, and they are part of the commitments that we are making uh, for our customers, for everyone who, for, for anyone in the market that um, choose to work with Microsoft as a, as a cloud uh, provider. Uh, and actually as a development uh, of the most recent recommendation on May 6, so very recent, um, a month ago on May 6 uh, this year, uh, our president Brad Smith announced our commitment for you customers, either that they are commercial or, or public sector customers in you, that you will go beyond our existing data storage commitment and enable both processing and storage of all data in within the European space. In other words, uh, explaining this, we will not need to move EU customer data outside of European uh, territory. Uh, that This commitment uh, applies to several of our products, uh, cloud uh, services like Azure, Microsoft 360 or Dynamics. And we actually began to work immediately to add to this edit step. So we make sure that by the end of next year, we are providing this uh, to, uh, to all the customers in Europe. We are calling this our plan the plan, this plan, like uh, we call this, sorry, EU data boundary for Microsoft Cloud. This is an additional step that we are making um, to offer comfort to the, the customers that we have in, uh, in Europe and to um, make sure that all the requirements, all the recommendations coming from the authorities on EU data um, are respected or even more than respected, we are offering this um, um, comfort, as I said, to, to, to our customers. Uh, this is not a first when a, a first step or the first time when Microsoft makes such commitment or uh, take, takes a step forward uh, protecting customers or offering them uh, the best condition that we can offer. Uh, we were the first major technology company that affirmed our, that were there to support and to, to confirm our compliance with the GDPR when GDPR um, was uh, coming. And we are offering the GDPR protection, not only to uh, the customers in Europe, but to the customers globally. And we, we, we offer this as part as our contract. In our contract, we state that we are offering GDPR compliance, uh, GDPR standard to all the customers, no matter where their data are. Um, having this in our contract makes it even stronger. It's a commitment. I mean, it's part of the contractual documents that we are signing with our customers. And um, um, we want our customers to feel safe and to make sure to, to feel that their data are protected when they are using Microsoft uh, technology. Um, Talking about data protection, this is definitely a focus area for authorities at all level. And um, it's an area where we learn and it's a, a, an area where we want to be next to the customers and to the organizations and to, to make sure that um, 
everyone that it's an, it's not an issue when they are choosing when customers are choosing to to have their data stored in Microsoft um, Cloud. And as a company, we are always there to support the authorities' um, question or um, recommendations and to to make sure that they are respected everywhere where we act where we exist as a company. So if I were to uh, highlight some takeaways from on this side is don't fight the regulations, integrate them, understand them and integrate them into your products. And that applies not only on technology, but on all projects that involve the collection and processing of personal data. Look at recommendations uh, issued by authorities, but not only look at best practices in the market and try to integrate that. And if you are a client of uh, cloud services, look at the what is put into the agreements in order to understand if the product you're considering already addresses a lot of the needs on a data protection perspective, because that may be an advantage, for example, if we're talking about cloud, the fact that products should normally be already configured so that at least on security parts, the GDPR requirements and more broadly data protection uh, uh, requirements are actually being already addressed. So it means a little bit less effort on their part. It's just a matter of having them accessed and properly implemented within the project. Right. That's correct. And yes, that's correct. We are not fighting. We are embedding rec the recommendations and um, we are making in our products and we, we want to make sure that our customers, our clients feel safe when they use our products and services. And I think that goes for everything, not only for technology based companies, but for any company that operates right now in the 21st century, processing of personal data is a reality whether you talk about B2C, where a lot of customer data is involved, or uh, if you are talking about internal processes, employees' data, and so on. Yes. So I think that with this, uh, we're uh, coming uh, to an end of our discussion. Uh, Gabriela, if there's anything else you would like to point at this point? Uh, I would just want to, to add one thing that whenever there are rules, clear rules, we see this as actually as an enabler of digitalization. Uh, we support having clear rules and clear legal framework uh, because when we, from practice, I can tell you that whenever we have them clearly stated, this actually encourage cloud adoption because companies, people know which is the framework and it's easy to follow the rules. When the rules are not clear or the legislation is old, then when it's becoming more difficult. So we do uh, support having clear legal frameworks and rules because that makes things easier for everyone. And of course, part of this, as you said, training and making sure that everyone is on the same page and understands um, it's very important. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Gabriela, for your valuable insights. I hope we have a chance to discuss more soon. Thank you very much again for inviting me. Thank you, Roxana. Thank you, dear colleagues from Legal 500. Uh, I believe that this is these are great events uh, in the current circumstances where we could not meet face-to-face -face for a long time. Uh, getting the chance to be connected and discuss about topics that are important, um, it's, it's really something uh, amazing. Thank you very much.
You've been listening to the Legal 500 Corporate Conversation Series.